Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. Hope you're having a beautiful Friday morning. I am here with my two lovely ladies, as per usual, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs and the Sharp Edge. How are we going, girls? Ask end of the year. Hey, hey. Doing yeah. good. Got lots and lots and lots to talk about today. I'm pumped. We too. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to talk about Corey's report on an infrastructure bill that passed, um, our Hivevine video that we did the other day, which feels good to get some videos at. Um, Edge and I enjoyed doing that. Um, that is on the Glenn Maxwell trial, which also gained a little bit of traction. So clearly people want to hear about that. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more today. Uh, courts against Biden on healthcare vax mandate. Uh, <laughs> throw in a little bit of uh, just fun and Hollywood debauchery uh we're going to talk about a santa inc movie that is coming out uh with seth rogan and sarah silverman just to have so show how far hollywood has devolved not that it was anything great to begin with but Mm. um just their attacks as per usual (laughs) on certain groups and ideas um changing of the guard uh vax id passport which is a quick update um on states uh, blocking it and the World Health Organization International Treaty. So, where would you like to start, girls? And let's well, roll into it. Let's start with the good news. Um, so, a federal judge just blocked the Biden COVID 19 jab for healthcare workers nationwide. So, this happened really fast as far as um, we, we got news that 10 states, you know, one in court. And then it turned into like 14 states, I believe. And then immediately, boom, it went nationwide. And so what this means is, so so the U.S. Uh, District Judge Terry Dottie, if I'm saying that right, issued a preliminary injunction for workers across the country. Uh, and he says, this matter will ultimately be decided by a higher court than this one. Uh, he wrote in a 34-page ruling, However, it is important to preserve the status quo in this case. The liberty interests of the unvaccinated requires nothing less. So, so the judge had said that there were uh, the 14 states whose lawsuit led to his ruling had raised questions about whether the federally funded Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services had exceeded their authority by attempting to force inoculations. He said, there is no question that mandating a vaccine to 10.3 million healthcare workers is something that should be done by Congress, not a government agency. It is not clear that even an act of Congress mandating a vaccine would be constitutional. Certainly, CMS does not have the authority by a general authorization statute. So this was uh, more than 17 million workers in about 76,000 healthcare facilities and that were supposed to get their first dose by December 6th. And, and it makes you wonder, well, how many of them already did? Because, you know, this just hit the news on um, Wednesday the 1st. So um, let's see. Then there was, I thought there was one other thing here I wanted to point out, but that may have been it. So, so he's saying this is going to go up to, you know, a higher court, but in the meantime, at least there's a hold on this. And then on the flip side of that, I wanted to mention, if we go to the next tab, um, this unfortunately isn't good news. Uh, so I had spotted that Washington state put through, um, (laughs) Uh, on uh, November 23rd with like no legislation, no open for public comment, nothing. We got MITRE, Microsoft, smart health card, QR code, vaccine ID port, passport mandates uh, coming out by uh, in the state of Washington that is now saying that everyone needs to do this. So, uh, and we know this is the one thing that people need to be fighting against big time. So, just to show where we're at, I pulled from uh, Ballotpedia keeps track on various legislation, you know, pertaining to a lot of things. So where we're at right now is they're saying five states, California, New York, Hawaii, and Oregon. Well, we can add Washington to the list. 
have facilitated the creation of digital vaccination status applications or passed laws or enacted orders exempting fully vaccinated individuals from some COVID-19 restrictions if they can provide proof of vaccination. However, we have 20 states, which coincidentally are all Republican, at least they're doing one thing right, that are prohibiting proof of vaccination requirements. So we got 11 states where governors banned proof of vaccination requirements through executive orders. And in nine states, legislators passed laws banning proof of vaccination requirements. So we can see the battle is on. And whereas, you know, it sucks for these now six states involved in this, um, we've got, you know what, one, two, three, four. Why are they saying five states, but then they only mention California, New York, Hawaii, and Oregon? That's weird. Uh, but we, like I said, we can add Washington. But we can see, like, this is a massive, massive battle going on with citizens and legislators uh, and companies, businesses too. You know, a lot of businesses are not down with this. And from what I can see, we're winning this battle. And, and, and it's sad to put it that way because unfortunately a lot of people are getting hurt and some people are dying in the process of all of this evil, but there are so many people fighting this and not complying and, and refusing to get the jab or refusing these mandates that I think it's, they're getting a lot more um, run for their money than they ever anticipated. What do you guys think? Definitely. I mean, it looks obvious the the lines have been drawn here. Um, you know, I, I realize that there's definitely some crooked Republicans and, and, and that sort of a thing. But, you, you know, when you look at the states, it's, it's very much like a blue versus red sort of thing. Obviously, California and New York are going to be the ones trying to impose the strictest types of uh, mandates and being the most progressive with this whole digital vaccine passport thing, um, whereas the Republican states, the red states, tend to be the ones that are fighting this. So, um, yeah, I think the lines have been drawn and we're definitely uh, putting up a big fight here. And um, if I was someone who was caught in the middle, whether it was a company or living in one of these blue states, I would definitely be considering where is the better place to live or work um, while all this stuff gets sorted out, you know? Um, right. And so we had a win um, thus far on the whole OSHA front mandate on businesses with 100 employees or more that they were trying to mandate um, their employees get the jab. So we, so we had a win on that in the courts until further court order. And we now have a win on this against, you know, the healthcare workers being mandated. Um, and I'm trying to think. There was another one I just saw, and I wish I had pulled it up before we started recording. Uh, but a federal judge had declared that there was a difference between the FDA approved Comirnaty and the EUA. Uh-huh. Um, vaccine that's currently available. And this was in regards to the DOD's mandate and implies that whatever they had imposed on military personnel was oh. unlawful. So that's great news as well. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see oh, where that goes. That is a big one. And then I'm trying to think, where do we stand on the federal employee one because i know there's over gosh there's like correct me if i'm wrong isn't there like 26 or 27 states that filed against that or was that the osha i know there's a lot of states that that have filed against the whole federal mandate as well and i'm not i'm just not sure i haven't had a chance to look and see like where how that's progressed do you know edge no, it's um, it's hard to keep track of them all. So, I know. Because <laughs> uh, we have multiple lawsuits going on um, at the same time. Yeah. But um, yeah, it looks like we're definitely making some progress mm -hmm. and uh, making it more difficult for them. Of course, I know um, they're not going to back down from this. So we just have to keep fighting. Right. And the other thing is too, you know, and I know we've 
probably mentioned this a couple times, but you've already got almost half the country that's refusing the jab. On top of that, you've now got people who have gotten the jab that are refusing the boosters. And I mean, it's at this point in the game, most people know someone that has either had terrible adverse events from the jab or, um, you know, reactions to it or has passed away. Um, and, and sadly over the next few months, I think what we're going to begin to see is a lot more of the people that did get the jab, be terrified to get these boosters and, and, and start seeing through all the manipulation and seeing their game and seeing this new strain that keeps coming out that for some, for some reason defies all logic when people that actually believe that these strains are mutating and getting stronger instead of weaker I think a lot of people are seeing through this. And so what started as half the country being against this is quickly climbing to where, you know, in a few months from now, we could be at like 80, 90% of people absolutely refusing to get jabs or boosters. I hope that's the case. I really yeah, do that's hope what you that's want to the say, case. Right? Yeah, you've got to see through it because I, th I think with with Omicron, it's like a double-edged sword. They want to tell everybody, look, this is this dangerous new variant. We're going to have to impose more restrictions and mandates and uh, new vaccines and boosters and all of this stuff, right? Yeah, but, and pills. But, don't forget the pills they're going to make. Right, <laughs> but simultaneously news coming out about how all of the people who uh, apparently spread this Omicron variant, which I don't even know how they're testing for it, uh, that's a whole separate issue right there. But um, apparently these are all vaccinated people. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it just really kind of <clears throat> destroys their their argument. Um, and, and now they're already talking about creating a new jab um, to fight Omicron. So it's just like it's never going to end. And I think people are, are starting to see that, um, that we're basically recycling the whole thing over again right because well, it's, it's too effective it's working too well our measures of control of course they're going to recycle it right so. right well but uh, yeah i mean they're going to keep pushing it but they're going to have to do something to shift up their game i mean i'm going to be keeping a really close eye on on this and their strategies over the next couple months because they're crashing. In my opinion, we're winning this battle um, in a very, very sad, tragic way. We are winning this battle and they're going to have to switch up this game somehow. I agree. I agree. I feel like they're, they're desperate. They know that our side is gaining speed, gaining momentum, gaining um, people coming to the realization that they've been lied to. Gaining, um, gaining awareness is yes. a huge victory. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can only fool people for so long. And when it hits home is when somebody loses a loved one who just got the jab a few days ago or a few right. weeks ago. You know, I, 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 gosh, in like a 48-hour period, I've had so many friends come to me and tell me that they, you know, lost a loved one to the jab or they have friends who lost loved ones to the jab and it's it's devastating it's it's awful what we're having to witness and everyone's going through and, i know and, and that it takes that that degree of insanity and evil for people to see what's what's being done mm -hmm. right exactly but you have to understand too that they're not backing down from it and they are desperate i think they're willing to do a lot of things so um we shouldn't underestimate what kind of evil plots they have in store and uh that's not a fear tactic on our our end it's simply right. just let's stay alert. stay alert yeah 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 pay attention to what their game is i actually <laughs> i turned off my lights at midnight i was trying to go to bed early last night and then all of a sudden this whole article started rambling through my head so i turned my light back on and i was up at like 2 30 in the morning jamming out an article, which I'll probably, you know, I have to 
I'm going to be traveling. Just so everyone knows, I'm going to be traveling for a bit. So it's going to take me till the end of next week before I can write up my next pieces. I also did some serious digging into something very alarming the other day having to do with the education system that I'm going to be putting together. But my, my whole point in bringing this up is that in the middle of the night when all this was hitting me, it's, um, it's something that's really important for people to pay attention to. And that is um, getting the mindset, uh, getting out of the, out of the mindset that you're being forced because that's freezing and paralyzing people. And they have to understand that there are still, there are choices here. You know, there's, there's a very, there, there's a distinction between the two and I make all these points in my article. So. Yes. And I will acknowledge that they're not easy choices. No, they are not. They're They're, not. They're hard choices that we all have to make. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So wait, listen, I, I think we had something kind of, um, kind of positive kind of funny (laughs) before we roll into your not that we're suggesting anyone (laughs) do this but this is pretty funny yeah we've talked about this for before is you know finding (laughs) ways to uh disrupt (laughs) to become ungovernable right so yeah that's right don't comply you gotta (laughs) disrupt there's all kinds of things we can do yeah so <clears throat> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. That I got a good chuckle out of that when I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't make a smiley for, face. For anyone who's not watching, he's in a either a hospital or a medical facility, and he's walking up to this um, sign that says, "Like you have to scan this QR code, and before you can continue walking in, you have to scan this to, um, I don't know if it's like to register yourself that you're there." And so he goes up with a with a marker and he's like filling in some of the little white areas, you know, all the QR codes are right. So screwing for up anyone the, who, who's not watching and they're just listening, screwing up the, sc- the QR codes. Yeah. Like yeah. Do whatever you can to disrupt their plans. So, all right. So tell us about this breakdown. I've seen this going around a lot. You've gotten a lot of traction on this, which is good because I don't think a lot of people or a lot of uh, outlets have really clearly broken down what's going on in this infrastructure bill. And you did a great job here. Thanks. Yeah, it was bugging me because, you know, they break it down by these subcategories and they cherry pick which ones they want. And then they, and they make it seem like these are great things and here's how much is being spent. And these are the wonderful things that are going to be improved upon. And then, um, and then you will get, some media sources that are picking out some rather alarming things or, you know, and they'll do an article on just that one thing. So I wanted to get the scope, the overall scope. And and the reason I did this actually is because, and this will be another piece coming down the pike is I had a whole theory going in my mind about how they were going to roll something out with um, crossing state lines and whatnot and the digital identities of the future. And so by, reviewing the, I knew that I would need to have a better handle on the whole infrastructure bill and what their plans are. So I could see the the bigger picture of how they're going to roll out this whole transportation thing. Because everyone knows about the electric vehicles or autonomous vehicles and some of these, you know, things that they're going to try and do. But this sort of, this kind of lays out their overall plan. So So what I first wanted to do was show um, just the nutshell version of prime funding categories, which, you know, roads and bridges, 110 billion, power grid, 73 billion railways, on and on. There's like a dozen of them there. Uh, Then I wanted to point out, (laughs) because this, I don't know if this is alarming or not, guys. Tell me what you think. Um, I I stumbled across this on page, uh, because this was a 20 over 2,700 page um, bill here that was signed into law on November 15th. So stuffed on page 2,359, they have this little thing on the strategic national stockpile where they're adding in a clause that says transfers of items. The secretary in coordination with the secretary of Homeland Security may sell 
drugs, vaccines, and other biological products, medical devices, or other supplies maintained in the stockpile under paragraph one to a federal agency or private nonprofit state, local, tribal, or territorial entity for immediate use and distribution, provided that any such items being sold are within one year of their expiration date or determined by the secretary to no longer be needed in the stockpile due to advances in medical or technical capabilities. I, I find it interesting that they put or instead of and there, but I look, I spend an hour going back through trying to find, you know, this isn't an added clause. So this isn't edited. This is all new. And so I tried to go back and find this specific act, you know, where they were putting that they were adding it into the public health service act. And they, they do list the section and the, the little codes here. Uh, however, in going back, what they do, it kind of reminds me of the tax code. They constantly list the amendments to it, but they never add those in to it as a whole so that the pieces, you know, the document is updated each year. So you have to keep tracking back, tracking back, tracking back, tracking back. So I tracked as much as I could. And at no point does it ever mention the ability to sell anything to a private or nonprofit or to sell at all anything out of it. So hmm. I just found that odd. I don't know if it's alarming or not. I just find it very odd that they added that in. Yeah. So, like what are they planning? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hmm. I don't know. It's just a little weird to me. So then we have, um, I just did, you know, word use throughout the bill for perspective where I did a word count on like energy, for example, is used 978 times versus roads 900 or highway 512. And I have other ones in here too, just to, because it gives you perspective on, on what this bill is really about, you know, with all their grants and partners and stakeholders and nonprofits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we know where the money's moving to and therefore who's going to be rolling this stuff out. And then they created new councils and task forces. Um, these are things for me anyways, when I'm trying to monitor and follow something and see the whole scope, like I want to know what new things are being created such as their pilot programs, 27 new pilot programs. Because that means what they do, as you guys know, with the pilot programs is they've already got this pre-planned. They've already got documentation, mark my words, prepared where they're just gonna fill in their little numbers and percentages and show how great the pilot program went, pass it off to some legislator that they've, they've bought off and bought their votes and have them try to create, you know, bills and legislation to make these na new nationwide policies. So to me, keeping our eyes on the pilot programs is, is a very important thing to do. Um, as far as who's getting the most funding, it, California, New York, and Texas, uh, California is getting a whopping like 42 billion, I believe. And what they do, and I have a link to the state fact sheets if anyone wants to look up their state and see, <clears throat> they use a formula to break it down. You know, it's based on like census and um, all kinds of factors, how many miles of highway, transit service data, um, the number of bridges, landmass, da, 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 da. So they have this whole formula. And so each state gets allocated a certain amount, which, which means all states are going to get allocated a certain amount, for example, for the electric charging stages or stations, the vehicle electric charging stations. So, among other things. And so, seeing that that money is going into your state, you should track that and you should fight against that you don't want certain things going in there or your, or the, you know, your taxpayer money being spent. Um, on some specific infrastructure project that they're going to do, uh, such as creating all new, you know, bike paths and walking paths because they don't want you driving. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Shocker that California is getting the most. Wow. Never yeah. would have thought that. <laughs> never, 
Never. So there's, I'm not going to go through all the pilot programs. Everyone can come in here and see. I put the dollar amounts allocated for the ones that were listed because believe me when I tell you this was in no kind of systematic order throughout this bill. This was literally me keyword searching pilot programs to compile this list. So um, I just, I just give a few examples under here. And this, this is the part that I pulled out. I know you would think there would be a section in here on water, but in all honesty, when I reviewed those sections, there wasn't enough to really expand on or nail them on, so to speak, because they talk about um, uh, stormwater, utilizing stormwater and some other things. And there's there's not enough nefarious details in the text to be able to expand on that is my point. So I, I picked out all the areas where I can see where they're going and what they're doing with this and covered like the smart grid, which I won't get into. I think everyone's pretty aware of the smart grid at this point. The electric vehicle charging stations, um, they want these you know, vehicle to grid technologies, which, which means they want all cars being manufactured to be equipped with 5G to be able to hook in and it, it, it gets worse than that. So they have an advanced impaired driving technology, which you brought to my attention, Edge, uh, while I was working on this, um, that's tucked away on page uh, 1057 that states within the next three years, so within, he could do this tomorrow for all we know, the secretary shall issue a final rule prescribing a federal motor vehicle safety standard requiring all passenger vehicles manufactured after the effective date with so that's within two to three years of the new rule that he establishes be equipped with advanced drunk and impaired driving prevention technology so what it is is it's the it's going to passively monitor the performance of a motor vehicle to accurately identify if the driver is impaired and detect the blood alcohol concentration of the driver. So like you could be driving around the road and get sleepy and start to swerve and it determines you're impaired. Um, so it, it's going to have a remote, the ability to literally turn your vehicle off so that you can't operate it. Right. So it's like a, it's like a kill switch. So mm -hmm. So they're going to be installing these in new vehicles and uh, that will always monitor a person's driving. So we know it's, it's going to track their every move, everywhere you're going. And then the ability to remotely prevent them from leaving their driveway or stranding them at some location, you know. What uh, could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong there? That's one aspect. So as we build on this, then we get to see like the whole picture here. So they have this new advanced transportation technologies and innovative mobility deployment grant program. And I, I extract out um, where they say they're, you know, they say edit this clause or amend this clause and add this. So what they're doing is they're, they're building uh they want an account, account-based payments, right? They want this whole integrated payment system. So to nutshell this whole section and summarize, um, how do I nutshell? It'd probably be easier to read my paragraph. Let me read my paragraph. Okay. <laughs> they want to build out a system of electric and autonomous vehicles, utilizing electric charging stations while creating system capacity limitations on people so they can only travel when allowed with a full integrated payment system in place to include more tolls and access via payment to transportation services. So they, they refer to this whole new transportation system as the surface transportation system. And we are the road users. This is mm -hmm. what we are. And we are using their roads. And so they want to charge us this, you know, so like all transportation will be equipped with 5G capabilities, kill switches, and vehicle to grid infrastructure to monitor and control every move. The vehicle per mile pilot program indicates that they intend to charge a per mile fee to people who use their transportation surface system, 
which ties in well to their entire integrated monitoring smart grid. So they, <laughs> it, it's pretty wild. So, so you can imagine as time goes on how they will expand this out. They're expanding on the tolls. They're expanding uh, this money, whereas most bills I read, I go slush fund, slush fund, slush fund, slush fund. In this case, this is actually building out the infrastructure. And, and, and sure, there's going to be some slush funds in here. But overall, this is building the enslavement system from the transportation angle so they can monitor and control your every move, make make it so that you have to pay just to leave your driveway. They want more public autonomous um, vehicles out there, a system in which you have to pay to use. They will tell you when we're at system capacity. So you know how, cause they want to turn everything electric. So you know how like, in, I mean, I'm around here, I'm assuming this is similar across the country, but how like odd number addresses can water their lawns on this day and even numbers water their lawns on a different day so as to conserve water. Right. They're going to they're gonna create systems like that with the whole electric grid. Like you're not allowed to drive during these hours. Or if you do, you have to take, you know, the Amtrak or our autonomous buses. Right, right. Or oh, you've reached your capacity for traveling this month. Your car <laughs> yeah. is shut down. Yep. Yeah. Your, your social score is so bad this month, or you got a fine going through that toll because you haven't gotten your jab yet. So you now can't even turn the key in your ignition. So this is, this is the insanity of where, what they are working on building out. And this is going to take some time, right? So there's, there's some aspects of this, <clears throat> such as the digital identity. That's the key to all of this that they're going to be pushing for and rolling out now. There's some things over the next two years, we're going to see them trying to integrate and amp up. But the overall infrastructure of mass control like that, we have some, we have some time on that. But this is why we need to be aware of it so we can like put a damn stop to all of this insanity. I wonder, I wonder when they're going to start charging us for walking. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, like clip, clip that, clip that, um, that bit because you know, give it twenty years, and they'll as soon as you leave your house, you know, king, right, oh, right. dollars. Mm. Good lord! So then, of course, they're expanding the broadband internet everywhere that has to be equipped with the five G and everything because they got to make sure everyone is wired in and wired up. Right. And then we have uh, the geomatic data, which in any normal case, I would read this and say, that's justifiable. I understand that. But in the case of these people, no, this is just full mass surveillance. And then we have some climate change agendas, um, which, <laughs> which they state, you know, like grants for charging and fueling stations, reduction of truck emissions at port facilities, uh, which, which they're already working on the fleets of autonomous uh, semis, you know, those are already in place. They anticipate those being completely driverless by 2024. Hold on a uh, second. On the reduction of truck emissions at port facilities, isn't that exactly part of the problem as to why we can't um, train? We have this huge backlog and this huge issue with the um, supply chain is because a lot of these trucks that are trying to get um, supplies out of California um, don't meet the current emission standards. Is that right? Yeah, that, that, is, that is a part of it. And so what they want is that's why you keep seeing them um, push over and over again in the media. They say, we're now 80,000 short drivers. We're 100,000 short drivers. We need more drivers. So these autonomous vehicles are going to come in and save the day. And um, of course, they're you know, more energy efficient and yada, yada. And look, we don't even need drivers. We're just going to have semis sailing down the road, delivering freight. But, you know, this is all about creating more jobs. So <clears throat> then they yeah, say, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make everything autonomous and that is going to create more jobs. That's How does that mean. work? Explain <laughs> that one to me. I would like, like I'm five, please. How does that exactly work? <laughs> oh, these people are insane. And, and, and they just, they, it amazes me how many people they fool. 
So then they say under their little climate area here, one year after the enactment of this act, they want a report that assesses using digital tools and platforms as climate solutions. Climate solutions, such as artificial intelligence and machine learning, blockchain technologies and distributed ledgers. Everyone needs to read the four-part digital identity report I did to understand why and where that's going. Uh, the crowdsourcing platforms, Internet of Things, distributed computing for the grid, software and systems. Yes, we can see how all of that has to do with the climate change hoax. So, Okie dokie, so if you say so. <laughs> so then we have, <clears throat> we have Amtrak's major passenger rail expansion with 39 new routes and enhancements to 25 routes, bringing service to 160 new stations. And I got a little map on here and there's links to this and everyone can read about this summary. Um, I, you know, we could probably have a whole conversation about why they're doing this. Um, but they, you know, they're, they're connecting like the, the metro areas, the bigger cities and everything, making sure that these are all connecting. And of course, this will all be tied into the smart grid and everyone will pay to go on there. And they're going to do an integrated system of payment through Amtrak as well. Like they want to link this payment system through all transportation. And I'm sure if you haven't gotten your jab, you know, you may not get to hop on that train. Of course, that's not. their goal. That's their goal. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we're, we've been winning on that front, but we need to step it up 10 more notches by not complying. So, so then what we have now is now they're focused on this build back batter bill, which is another 1.75 trillion. Now this one is packed full of slush funds, but it's also, um, it, it also kind of complements the infrastructure bill because they're already allocating funds for some of the pilot programs that are in the infrastructure bill. It's like I said, these people already have this documented, planned out, reports ready to roll so they can try and create legislation. So it passed in the House, it's sitting in the Senate right now. And um, there's another very various nefarious, nefarious thing in here um, for billions, which ties into um, an article I'm gonna be working on next week. So. Hmm. What could that be about? <laughs> oh yeah. Civilian Climate Corps, 555 billion for climate change related agendas, including the creation of a civilian climate corpse. And this is to allegedly restore forests and wetlands and guard against the effects of rising temperatures, even though I'm pretty sure the temperatures are going down, not up. But you know, I haven't researched that enough, so I can't say definitively. I know there's a lot of talk about nice age coming. I personally don't know enough about it to say one way or the other. It's a pretty nice uh, slush fund, 555 billion. Right. And that's well, you're building an army, it looks like. So uh -huh. an army of, uh, you know, Greta Thunbergs, apparently. <laughs> right. To patrol all the federal lands. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you can tell uh, by the lingo in it too. And of course I didn't read through this whole thing. Cause I, you know, I didn't have time, but you can, um, you can tell that they're setting some stuff up for land grabs as well in there. Mm -hmm. yep, yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. That's part of it because you will own nothing and be happy, Corey. That is right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good grief. Good All right. Grief. Well, good, good job on that though. I'm, I, yeah, I saw no, that going around that. a lot. So I, I think people are, are becoming more aware of what they're trying to do uh, with this build back broke and yes. infrastructure. Get this in the hands program. of your legislators and, and, you know, write to your legislators, contact them and tell them you're, you're not cool with this. You're not, <laughs> you're not down with this. And that, that you're going to need to be watching very closely where they're spending their dollars and what they're actually expanding on in your areas. Uh, like I said, there's links to all the state fact sheets in here. Um, but people need to fight this because it's, it's all for everything's under the guise of, you know, oh, right. we're going to build this, these pretty walkways and we're going to build extra lanes for our autonomous buses that are going to haul you around everywhere because we're not going to let you pull out of your driveway. 
Right, right. So, exactly. Yeah. And if you do, we just got a kill switch on your car. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so bring us up to speed on the Maxwell case. I didn't get two seconds to pay attention to that. All right, I've been watching this pretty closely, and um, it, it's been interesting to to pay attention to this trial. A couple of things to note. This trial is not available by video, like the Rittenhouse trial, of course. Um, and so it's kind of hard to get a lot of good information on it because, of course, everything is filtered through the state-owned right. propaganda machine. So, um, but they, uh, and they originally were saying they were going to do a call-in line for this, but then they changed that. And so, uh -huh. right, and I think it was actually at the, the request of the prosecution, which, you know, it makes it look like, you know, the state's trying to hide something. And of course, who's the prosecutor? Well, we all know. Oh, wait now. a minute. So you're telling me that no one ended up getting to call in and be able to report on it from listening in. So everyone's basically just recycling what we're hearing trickle out from the corrupt machine. Pretty much. There is no call in line. However, there is a room, a viewing room just outside of the courtroom where people can go in, citizens and uh, reporters can go in and actually watch from a screen what's happening in the courtroom. Yeah, there and is a few, um, there is a few, yeah, good independent uh, journalists and stuff which you've got in there that are hearing it and that are, you know, posting on Twitter and stuff like that. But, of course, it's not gaining a, a lot of traction or it's being swept under the rug, of course. But there is a few people, and that's where we try to uh, get okay, some good. information from. Yeah, yeah. So we went through a, a little bit of the suspicious activity as far as how this, you know, whole trial is being set up. Of course, you know, the the public can't watch or listen. Everything has to be filtered through the mainstream media. Um, to the prosecutor being Comey's daughter, to this judge who has several connections with powerful people. And this is obviously a trial about Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein running a child sex trafficking ring who they used this ring to compromise the very powerful elites who see the prosecutor and the judge actually have some connections to or run in the same circles with you know and so um it's a lot of suspicious things from the get-go i'm really hoping that we will see some justice here but you have to raise these questions as far as right. you know is it going to be a fair trial and these are legitimate questions but um so because far it's not it's not set up to be a fair trial from what you can say it's it's um it's a very very um dodgy yeah so far we've had uh um... so, so instead they're gonna they're gonna utilize it to create as much distraction as they can while they push through other agendas yeah and so this judge here judge nathan um she's actually allowed the defense to call a false memory witness uh, we talk about that in depth this false memory witness is an supposedly an expert in false memories elizabeth loftus she hasn't testified yet but um she has testified for um, in the defense of harvey weinstein oj simpson ted bundy and many 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 others including in the mcmartin preschool case which if you recall, because this is several decades back, but it's an important case because it's related to the CIA and the finders that we found out through um, documents that were received by FOIA. And this case was a case of satanic um, ritual abuse and sexual abuse of these preschool children. Ugh. So, um, but this false memory syndrome foundation, we did a deep dive into that. It's got a lot of nefarious activity, a lot of pedophilia, uh, people associated with pedophilia, people covering for pedophilia, and even some intelligence community connections with CIA and MKUltra. And, and so they're going to try and suggest that all of these, all of these women have uh, false memory, huh? Yes, and they've been trying to build that case. So the defense is going to be going with, you know, these, first of all, all these victims are gold diggers. Uh, second of all, all of these victims have false or unreliable memories. And also that um, 
that Ghislaine herself was some sort of victim. And um, so we're on day four now, and they've had the pilot, Vysotsky, um, testify. We, we've had the first victim who went by the name of Jane testify and several other uh, witness testimonies corroborating Jane's testimony, which I won't, you know, really get into because it was just, you know, corroborating, you know, certain documents and things like that. Um, but then also th- on day four, we've seen the maintenance man for Epstein's Palm Beach property testifying. So um, with the pilot Vizoski, uh, he, he testified that he not only flew um, the planes and, you know, with Epstein, some elite people and young girls, but he also had installed some equipment at Epstein's houses, like video cameras and audio. So I found that to be pretty interesting because I didn't realize that it was Vizoski who did that. Um, So it seems to me like Vizoski is a little bit more involved than just being the pilot, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, of course, couldn't remember all of the names of the people involved and really just didn't keep very good records. And of course, he never saw anything happening on those trips now did he but uh, he did drop some names you know it's pretty much all the same names we've heard before Um, but but nothing suspicious about young girls traveling with these people at all (laughs) right no i mean he was just like no i never really saw anything happen and yada yada but he he has received um financial gain from um from epstein not only just you know in payments for being the pilot but he received 40 acres in new mexico from epstein he his Mm -hmm. daughter's colleges were paid funds were paid for Mm -hmm. and one of his daughters even got married at zorro ranch uh so yeah he has some financial incentive to keep his mouth shut i'll say but i i do think that he's definitely more involved than it appears and then so jane testified um and she's this actress out of uh, la and she tells her story about how she met epstein you know when she was 14 going to this um performing arts camp and um you know her her testimony is pretty damning and um you know so i think that that you know was a really solid solid testimony because a lot of the things that she uh, instances that she was recalling galane was involved it wasn't um just like the that galane was just some innocent bystander but she was actually involved in recruiting this girl and conducting the disgusting sex acts and stuff so um it clearly shows that uh galane was uh very very involved and um you know they are trying to the defense is really trying to uh discredit her by they they asked her a lot of gotcha questions of little little details and things that she didn't recall and so she was saying i don't recall a lot during cross-examination and i think that they're trying to set up this false memory argument so right that was most of you know day two day three and here on day four they have um introduced a new witness um his he's again the uh maintenance guy um alessi being his last name and so he's the former maintenance guy for the palm beach home and you know that he had said publicly in interviews that he always suspected the girls were underage. He said that um, also uh, he has worked for the Wexner family. That's how he was actually referred to uh, Hmm. Epstein. And he has said in previous interviews that Maxwell told him that she hated Epstein and wanted out, but couldn't get out of the relationship because she felt trapped. Oh, poor, Aww. poor Gillette. Right. <laughs> okay, so why is the prosecution introducing this guy as a witness? I understand he ha- he has relevant information, but clearly 
with his previous testimony of Ghislaine feeling trapped and she hated Epstein, why would the prosecution choose this guy as a witness? Because I understand on cross-examination, they better have a damn good reason for bringing him on, on. Because in cross-examination, I'm guessing... And, you know, here we are recording and I, I, I haven't, you know, gotten, you know, read the updates or anything um, on cross-examination yet. But I'm imagining that they're going to bring this up about how, oh, poor Ghislaine, she was just a, she was just as much a victim as all the other girls, right? Now, now is he the one I saw somewhere that said that she was number two to Epstein or something like that? Is he the one who said that? I'm not you really know. sure. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm just reading briefly over here. I know that, um, yeah. you know, he's that talked- fa- that, that false memory you just scanned past. Oh, false memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, of the photo scan, go down, go down there. That, that, that looks like a false memory there too. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all false memories. Uh, Yeah, so we go into kind of a deep dive on this video. If you guys want to get some more information and check it out. Also, if you want some, um, like, just day-to-day, hour-by-hour of what's happening in the courtroom, here's a good account um, at Inner City Press. He's there and typing out pretty much what's being said. And that's on Twitter, so people know. On Twitter, yeah. Inner City Press. Yep. Ah, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. So I think that we wanted to kind of have a quick chat about some resignations, some shakeups. What's really going on? Yeah. So I haven't, I've heard the buzz, but I've been in research and writing so much that I haven't caught all of it. I saw the thing about Dorsey resigning and um, uh, Kamala's uh, spokesperson that is going to be stepping down. Uh, and then I heard people saying uh, a lot of other CEOs from corporations and um, a lot of people in Congress that aren't running again. And so I don't have a lot of names in my head as far as who these people are, but I feel like there's this changing of the guard and that those that have been in these positions are, you know, cashing out to some degree and then uh, still moving over to some other area of the agendas, of course. Um, and that those that have been groomed to fill these positions, but like you and I edge, were just, we're talking and looked up a couple of things real quick on the Congress situation about people not, um, running again. And I said, yeah, but what has it been like in the last several years? I mean, is this, cause people are, a lot of people are making a big deal this and I don't know specifically who has said they're not running. So there could be a case where there are some individuals where maybe it seems a little odd, but as far as numbers overall go, uh, the numbers were actually higher in previous years of people not running again. So I always like to look at past patterns before I, you know, jump to conclusions. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm going to kind of hold my thoughts on, on what people in Congress are doing, wait a little bit longer, see what kind of unfolds, because yeah, it does really seem to be on par, if not, you know, a little bit under par as far as previous years of people, um, who are not seeking re-election. Um, but as far as Jack Dorsey resigning, it wasn't a coincidence that Parag, Parag Agrawal, uh, like immediately, like the next day, they made all of these new changes to Twitter as far as you can't post pictures of people. So, so yeah, it seems like. Uh This was in the pipeline for a while. Right. And, and, and a lot of past history tweets of Parag has been coming out too. (laughs) right that's going flooding twitter and his ideology i guess so yeah it was like great jack dory's was resigning oh great (laughs) this guy's even worse so yeah i mean i I don't think it was actually necessarily good news um it's just a shake-up a switch because you know he's filled his role and now it's time to move on to the next phase for twitter which doesn't even it, it looks much worse not much better Right, because now you have new people bringing in the new stuff and everyone can come down on them instead of doing the 
repeat cycle of, of these people in the past that may have already said, oh, we would never do that, or we're not going to do that, we're all about this. Well, let's just throw in a different dude to put it in place. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you want me to tell you a little bit about this um, World Health Organization uh, <sighs> special session that they had this week? Yes. All right, so you brought this to my attention. I had not even realized they were having some sort of special session this week, mm-hmm. but apparently mm-hmm. they convened this week for a special session, only the second time ever to convene such a special session. All right, so this is special, very special. <laughs> Extra special. <laughs> Extra special. <laughs> and of course, this comes one, less than one week after they announced the new variant Dun, 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 Omicron. Yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. I mean, they moved fast on this one, didn't they? It's almost they like, did. yeah, a little too fast for my, for my taste. I think, I think they were probably planning this, but um, in light of Omicron, the WHO, they've had this meeting to establish a new international treaty that they'll essentially be handing over much more power but From it's not, the countries it's not, to the WHO. But it's not in light of Omicron because they were talking about this, I think, back in March of this Ooh. year. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Or maybe it is in light of Omicron, but oh. they knew <laughs> back in March. <laughs> Shift. Yeah. And so the power, right? This is about an international treaty. And I think you said like China, Russia, and who else is not involved in this? But, but of course, the, the US is, I believe, correct? Yes. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So we've got 26 nations Australia, Canada, Iceland, Norway, Republic of Korea, South Africa, Ukraine, UK, United States, Uruguay and member states of the European Union, notably absent Russia, China, India. Okay. Okay. All right. So this is going to um, empower the WHO if it goes through. So they, they met this week to say, should we have a new international treaty and they decided yes oh yes we should Why, yes of course we Why, should. yes of yeah. course we should have more power okay great so they're going to be working on the details of that and what i can give you now is what the previous um international treaty which was established in 2005 and then i think it was amended uh several years later but here is what it said, recommending, um, you know, the, the who can recommend the following, right, for mm-hmm. in respect to persons. And when you read through this, it's horrifying. They can recommend, you know, proof of vaccination, requiring vaccination, placing suspect persons, like there are criminal suspect persons under public health observation, implement quarantine Hmm. or other health measures for suspect persons implementation implement isolation and treatment uh, implement tracing of contacts of suspects or affected persons Uh, and so this is clearly you know a power grab but so the 2005 version of this treaty and the amended one that came some years later it didn't have as much teeth, meaning it was kind of giving the power to the countries to enforce these things while the who was more of recommending these things. Right. And what they're trying to do is switch it up to where the who is the one, you know, mandating these things, enforcing these things, having the control, the oversight, the surveillance. That's the difference they're going for in this new treaty. Mm-hmm. And so the question there is if and when this thing comes down, because I think that they're going to be kind of in the process of negotiations between these countries um, for this, the final treaty to come out, I, I suppose. Um, but is how will the who enforce such 
uh, mandates, if they say a country needs to lock down, if they say uh, across the board the entire country has to vaccinate everybody in their country, how does the WHO actually enforce that? Mm-hmm. And that's when it starts getting really dystopian. What are they going to use UN troops? I mean, really, what? Where? Where's this going? And, are they going to try and use our military? I mean, it's just not. I'm sorry, we have. I, I don't see that happening. I just don't. I, I, I think. I think it's it's going to be other means of threat, like no access or no job, or we're going to cut off your bank account or that type of thing. Um, strong arming people. They're not. I don't do not see troops storming into people's houses, holding them down, pinning them down. And jabbing them in the arms. I just. I think that this is more of a, a a legal loophole that countries are looking for in order to pass the buck. Right. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think that what they're doing here is countries are going to sign this treaty, making it some sort of legal binding document, mm-hmm. and then enforce these kinds of mandates on their people and say, "Look, it's not our fault. This is the who that's saying." Right. And then this. how does that play out in the court system? I exactly. wonder. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and then and then Tedros said, even if like if this does go through, uh, what did he say? I, I I quickly skimmed a Wapo article on it where he was saying that it would take it could take a long time to get all the details down in this and that but quite honestly we already know the paperwork's already put together i mean that's my guess right yeah (laughs) i think like negotiations are probably already done they're just trickling this out and you know the documents are already there and they're trickling it out and they're timing it for when they want to do it that's how these people operate right Yep. Um, again, they're trying to put pressure on people and box them in and scare them. And people need to get the word force out of their head. Exactly. Yeah. The only way we're out of this is just mass non-compliance become ungovernable. Yep. Just say no. Enough. Yep. Enough. Because this will go on forever. They have yep. endless numbers of variants um, ahead of, of Omicron. So yeah, yep. never ends. Oh, yeah. All right. So, speaker, I heard a lot about this <laughs> Santa Inc. Uh, we'll touch on it. We'll touch on it quickly because we're getting over an hour here, but it's a good idea to finish it off. We have a lot to um, pack into this one. Important information. Yeah. Um, this is just a continuation of Hollywood bastardizing things that we hold sacred and our childhood as well yes this is an adult comic and it's 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 funny but it's not i mean the funny side of it is the backlash that it's got uh but it it is just fundamentally a christmas movie that was written after someone watched a critical race theory course and thought how can we put this (laughs) to destroy the ideology uh, destroy everything that is sacred about christmas of course this is about santa that is a white man and how seth rogan yeah um, seth rogan and and sarah silverman so so two of the silverman the most yeah debaucherous people in hollywood that have just become completely unfunny I mean, right. It's like they're trying to things. it's like they're trying to cram in as many cuss words and shocking statements and things from these characters that we've grown all grown up to, you know, love and our kids love. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's it is it's like a bastardization of, you know, things that we hold dear and it's disgusting. It's so out of touch. Right. I understand it's mm-hmm. supposed to be for adults, but who really is going to be watching this um, other right. than just like a very, very small portion of the population? And I'm going to tell you right now, I can I, I don't think many people are going to be watching this because before um, the dislikes, they were already extreme the, before the dislikes got disabled yeah. um, by YouTube um, across the board. They were already extremely ratioed. Uh, so that's helped them out that you don't get to see that there's like over 70,000 dislikes here. <laughs> Versus 2.6 thousand likes. It's been slammed. Like it's. And they disabled <sighs> the comments, but before the comments were hysterical too. I mean, I think that they even like did a 4chan, did a raid on the, uh, the comments. And so it was just like a massive number of, of, um, dislike type of comments. And uh, so, yeah. Wow. 
we this, <laughs> these people. Yeah. So I guess someone found a loophole as far as um, restoring dislikes. I don't know if this is the case, but if so, hysterical because um, you know it looks like they're you know what seventy thousand <laughs> dislikes at this point. <laughs> see, see, I'm 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 a fan of adult cartoon humor. I think it can be funny if done right, right and if it's targeted towards that. But picking, but like to just contemplate the situation where you know a, a Christian man did a comedy about, about you know Ramadan or something. Right, just put it in the other shoes. It'd be the same shit. Uh, right. It's it's just it's it's disgusting on their behalf, but they know what they're doing. Yeah. It's it's just this woke corporate push that they're they're pushing through. If you've got a HBO membership in any way, subscription, cancel that shit. Uh, fight with your wallets like everything else. And it's it's another reason why YouTube has uh, removed these dislikes, which the they're being slammed for daily on Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, it's it's to protect these sort of brands. It's to protect not just governments, corporations, which they are, but you know, entertainment industries and people as well. So it, it it's disgusting and it's easily seen from those that have eyes. Right. Um, mm. Yep. Gotta love Hollywood. Oh yeah. All right. So. All right. Busy week coming up. It'll probably be a week and a half before I jam. Oh, you know what? Actually, I have my Red Pill Library, Volume 6. I finally got that in order. So that'll be out next week um, while I'm traveling. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. So thanks, guys, for joining us today on Dig It. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Sweet. Sweet.